everyone and welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with my co-host and husband Jeremy as usual. Now today we are talking to Danny from Blue Missions. Danny is the founder of an organization called Blue Missions based in Miami, Florida. And they basically help uh, remote communities in Dominican Republic to get access to clean water and proper sanitation. He started this business back in uh, 2010, so more than 10 years ago. And this venture and being in contact with those communities totally changed his life. And he's doing like amazing. He's literally changing life through this organization. So in this episode, he's going to tell you all about it, how he got involved, what they are doing on the field and how we can all help them. Enjoy the show. Danny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Again. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know how inside we were going to let the audience in. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah, the, they, they don't know it. but So, yeah, we already recorded this episode, I think, about one year ago last summer in 2020. And we had some technical issues, so we were unable to release the episode. So here we are recording again a few months later. So thank you for taking the time again, because I know you're a busy man. It's my pleasure. It's my <laughs> pleasure. Thank you. I, I really wanted to... Record again to release the episode because what you're doing is is amazing and your everything you do has to be heard by as many people as possible because uh, what you're doing with your company is amazing and and I mean it's all coming from you so you're also super amazing for everything that you are doing uh, so yeah we need to share this episode this time so let's make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so before we start, Danny, you are the co-founder with your sister of Blue Missions, uh, an NGO based in Miami, Florida, and you basically work in Dominican Republic right now. To you're helping the community by bringing clean water and sanitary proper sanitation to remote community on the island. Um, you also have a new business coming that you'll tell us at the end of the show. Uh, but maybe let's start with what made you create Blue Missions? Where is it coming from? Yeah, you know, um, I always tell people that, you know, I'm so blessed and lucky to have found my purpose in life at such a young age. You know, Blue Missions uh, was born, you know, we were founded in 2010. But the journey really began three years before that. Um, I was a junior in high school and I had a service hour requirement. Um, My dad had been involved with an organization that was working in the Dominican Republic um, on clean water issues. And he said, hey, Dan, why don't you come with me on this trip? You know, I went with your sister last year. Um, You have to get your service hours anyways for school. Uh, We can do this together. Um, And... I reluctantly said yes um, that first year. My uh, birthday was right smack in the middle of the trip. And as a 16-year-old kid um, on summer vacation, um, I'd much rather would be in Miami with my friends, uh, maybe on a beach or on a boat somewhere, than in a mountain town, um, you know, a community with 50 families, no AC, electricity every other day, and no clean water. Um, And on top of that, doing manual labor throughout the 10 days of this trip. So I reluctantly uh, went on that first trip and I was pretty miserable the first day. You know, I was being a typical teenager, 
uh, revolting against yeah <laughs> revolting against that and just couldn't believe i was there but you know just i fell in love with the experience you know it's as simple as that you know I, my eyes were opened and i couldn't unsee what I, what i saw at the age of 16 you know I, we got arrived in the airport drove for three hours um on a bus you know up winding dirt roads and arrive in this community with about 55 families. Uh, the town was called Venu Arriba, and they had water issues. You know, the, the community had never had access to running water, and the way they would get water was by walking to the nearest river with their five-gallon buckets and doing that trek back and forth um, so that they can fill up their barrels at home or their reservoir tanks. And, you know, what I learned on that trip is that the women and the children bear that responsibility. You know, it's while the men go out and work the fields or, you know, they find day work, day labor, um, and earn an, in an income for their families, the women and children, you know, they, that those are the chores. Uh, you need water to, for everything. You need it to cook, you need it to clean, you need it to bathe. Um, you know, we can't, it's the one thing we can't live without. And, um, and that was just a shock for me because I had never learned about that. You know, that wasn't in my curriculum growing up. And sure, I've seen documentaries about poverty-ridden um, areas, and, and I've, I knew that poverty existed, but it was another thing to be present in this community and understand the impacts that it was having um, that affects generations and generations. You know, it's the cycle of poverty that can't be broken unless you have clean water. Right. Uh, because if the children are the ones collecting the water, they're not going to school. If the children are drinking dirty water, uh, they're getting sick and now that income that the father in the home, you know, or the male in the home was, was bringing in is going to medication and, you know, can't be allocated to other things. So you, it's a vicious cycle that can't be broken um, unless you get, you know, life's most basic need, which is clean water. So that was the origination of kind of how I got exposed to this work. Um, loved it so much um, that I went back two more years with the same group. Um, and I recruited all my friends, you know, family members. I was like, you got to do this. You got to try this. Like, this is a 10-day camping trip with your friends. Uh, plus, you get to give back and do good. It's a win-win-win for everyone. You know, you're working hand-in-hand -hand with the community. You're building meaningful relationships with these people. You're not just coming in here and giving them something. You're working together with them. And, you know, I just wanted to keep going. And after that third trip, the founder of that organization uh, reached out to my sister and I and said, hey, um, you guys have done such a good job of promoting this that we need space for new volunteers. So unfortunately, you guys can't come back with us. And, you know, we were disappointed at first, but we had already had some interest in maybe doing a little bit more. We wanted to do more. How can we help more communities? And he knew that. So I think he, you know, he's one of my biggest mentors. Um, he's on our board of directors at Blue Missions. His name's Albert Perez. Um, but his organization was a passion project. You know, he has a full-time job. He has a family. Um, wow. This is something that he does apart from his um, career. And he does one project every year. So when we got involved, we said, hey, one project a year is amazing. But there's still hundreds of communities out there that don't have clean water. How can we do more? And that was the, the birth of Blue Missions. Um, and Blue stands for building love, uniting everyone, for everyone that's wondering. Yeah. Love that. When I was, um, I, I went on your website before just to get some data. And 
the numbers are staggering. And as you said before, that's something we are not aware of uh, in, in the US or in Europe. It's the same. Um, on your website, it says that 785 million people lack access to clean water. 785 million. That's a lot of people um, in, in the entire world. And also the other one that was even more shocking for me personally was 2.4 billion with a B people lack access to proper sanitation. 2.4 billion. I think we're about 7 billion in the world right now, something like that. Um, that is an insane amount of people lacking proper sanitation, meaning they don't have toilets and everything like that, which is also a huge issue uh, that you're working on and you'll tell us about it. But yeah, we we have no clue about what's going on in the world. <laughs> uh, sadly, it's, it's interesting how in the education we learn about a lot of things more or less useful. <laughs> I'm going to put it this way. Um, but we don't learn about some about what's actually going on right now. You know, we learned a lot about the past or about some facts here and there. And I mean, it's important, but yeah, like going there, especially as a 16 years old, must have been pretty shocking, I guess, in, in, in a sense. Um, and But what's amazing is you decided to do something about it, which I guess, you know, most people just go and say, oh, damn, that's a shame and come back and, and, and don't do anything about it. Uh, but you decided to, I mean really got involved, you know, you, you, you went back, you brought people, but you also now 13 years later, you're still doing it more than ever and you're growing and expanding. So that's amazing. And we really well done on your father, you and your sister on that. Cause it's, it's really beautiful. We need more people like you guys. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, and I wish I can sit here and say that was my intention at 19 years old, but it wasn't, you know, it's, and that's, you know, a big, you know, I, I tell people that my personal mission is to connect people to purpose. You know, I believe that we're all called uh, to live a purpose-driven life, to, to find those things that make us feel most alive and to figure out how to do those things while also serving others. And that's what I stumbled into uh, in this work. You know, my goal for, at the outset was to keep going, right? To, to continue going one time every year and to expose other people that, um, I was close to, uh, to this, you know, it's like your favorite movie, right? Um, yeah. when you watch your favorite movie with a friend and the, the funny part comes out, you look over and you, you hope that they're laughing, you know, you want yeah. them to enjoy this movie the same way that, that you enjoy this movie. And that's how I feel every time I'm on a, on a blue trip, you know, and, and thankfully, you know, we, we did things the right way. Um, we had great mentors and great people guiding us, great contacts who helped us get to this point. Um, but the original goal was just to do one project every year and um, kind of took on a life of its own. And we really tapped into something special, which is uh, on the volunteer side, uh, mm -hmm. which is just as important as what we do with clean water, in my opinion, because it talks about, you know, it talks to the point of educating that next generation of leaders. You know, we have these issues that are monstrous issues and it's, it's hard to, to wrap your head around them. You know, those numbers that you threw out earlier, 785 million people lack access to clean water and, you know, over 2 billion people uh, don't have access to proper sanitation. 
you know, we can't even put in our minds what 2 billion people looks like. No. Yeah, um, I, I was going to say like 785 million people is more than twice the population of the US, just to give an idea. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's one thing to hear these numbers, right? And to try to make sense of them. But it's another thing to physically be present, serving in these communities alongside the locals and building relationships and friendships with people dealing with this issue. When you know someone and you have a personal relationship with someone that is dealing with this each and every day, you're, you're obviously going to be able to be more empathetic to the situation and understand it. And that's what we tapped into, you know, being able to mold global citizens, understanding the value of travel and more specifically volunteer travel, you know, when, when done the right way. Um, you know, cause that was another key, making sure that we were doing things in a sustainable way, making sure that we were respecting these communities, um, making sure that these communities wanted us there. Um, so early on in the process, we, we kind of built systems within the organization, uh, where communities come to us and they request our assistance. Um, you know, we're not going anywhere and telling them what, what we want to do. Um, we have a backlog of communities that still need clean water and, um, you know, we make sure they know that, yes, we're going to provide support, we're going to provide expertise, but this is your project. And if you and your community um, don't want to work for this, then we're not the right organization to, par- to partner with. You know, right. we have to make sure that the entire community is buying in. And that's why a lot of scouting goes into these trips. We go visit these communities, you know, five, six, seven times before the first materials even begin mm-hmm. uh, to arrive in the community. We help them establish and elect water committee members. Uh, we help them open up bank accounts so that they can collect monthly quotas from the families uh, to have a reserve fund if they need to make any repairs on the system down the line. Um, so there's a lot of education that that is in play here and really empowerment. You know, what we want to do is empower these people. These people are just like us. They laugh, they cry, they smile, they're smart, they're talented. The only difference is we won the global lottery. You know, we were born in places um, where you have access to these basic needs and they weren't. Um, So once we realize that, once you're face to face with them and our youth can, you know, come to terms with that. And, you know, that's a powerful realization to make. You know, we're no longer serving from from a place above someone. We're at eye level. You know, we're meeting them where they are. And, um, you know, to me, that's just as important as the clean water, being able to facilitate these experiences in this authentic way um, that hopefully inspires the next generation of change makers. You know, we just want everyone to find what it is they are passionate about. For my sister and I and our core team, it was clean water. It caught, it captured us and we were in and we were hooked. Um, for someone else, it might be food insecurity. It might be climate change. Um, whatever it is, um, we all have different talents and different skills that we can use to be an advocate for these causes. And that's our message to the kids. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you're a missionary that moves to Africa and you dedicate your life to service or whether you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company who launches a, a corporate social responsibility program for a cause that you're passionate about. You know, there's a role wherever you fit in that spectrum. Um, it's about discovering that role. And the only way you can discover it is if you, if you actively seek it out. Um, so that's the message. You know, that's why we're building love and uniting everyone um, each and every trip. I love also that you, like you said, you empower the community by just what you said about open a bank account and you can 
maintain everything we put in place for you later by yourself. That's amazing. It's not just, you know, like, here it is, we've done it, and now we're going home, and if anything breaks, well, like, figure it out. Like, you, you're really helping them to make it sustainable, which is really amazing. Um, it's like the, I don't know, teach the guy how to fish kind of story. Um, can you tell us maybe how exactly you operate, like exactly what you do from when you have volunteers signing up for a trip to coming back? Like what's what's a project like exactly? Definitely, you know, our, our projects, um, you know, they there's two sides to it, right? There's a volunteer side and there's a community side, right? On, on the volunteer side, um, a volunteer signs up, you know, usually six to eight months before they travel with us. Um, and then we actually do preparation meetings with the volunteers as well. So we want to meet with these, you know, youth volunteers and kind of prepare them for what they're about to experience, both from a, you know, packing safety standpoint, mm -hmm. but also from a cultural standpoint. We want to introduce them to the culture of the communities that we're going to be working in, explain to them what these global issues are that they're dealing with, why they're dealing with them, and how we can be a part of the solution. Um, and that way, you know, once they're there, Um, they can kind of fully grasp it, it kind of all it's like putting the bow on it um, mm. once you're there it kind of all clicks and makes sense um, and then so sorry, to, once, sorry to cut you off but yeah. you, you also encourage your volunteers to raise money right before the trip correct correct so our model is actually unique and I'll dive into that um, in a little bit um, but yeah the volunteers they live this incredible experience and something that we learned is Once you experience something like that, that shock and awe, there's some consequences, right? You can't unsee that. And now you're hopping back on a plane, flying across the ocean and returning back into your bubble. You know, and in our case, we're based in Miami, Florida, a pretty luxurious bubble. Um, so it's hard to kind of reintegrate, you know, to, to make sense of what you just experienced and what your reality is. Um, so reacclimation is something actually now that we're you know, giving a lot of attention to we have for, mm. for the past six years, um, giving our past volunteers the space to, to come join us and regroup and talk about the things that they saw reflect, you know, for us, reflection is a huge part of our trips, you know, being able to take a step back and look at what we're doing from the outside. Um, so that's kind of the volunteer experience when they're actually physically on the trip. Um, I'll explain to you kind of a water project, what that looks like. Um, on day one, it's the hardest day of the trip. <laughs> we have to go to where the clean water is, and it is the farthest point in the project. So the way our systems work are they're gravity-fed aqueducts. Um, these communities locate a freshwater spring at a higher altitude than where the homes are. Um, usually, you know, the elders in the community, they know which are the springs that have never run dry, that provide the most water, um, that have access. So our engineers go study that spring before the volunteers arrive. We make sure there's enough water and that the water's clean enough um, to drink. And then once we confirm all that, um, the volunteers then come on their trip. And on day one, we hike all the way from where the group is staying, which is usually in a school or in a church within these rural villages. Uh, we set up cots. So everyone's sleeping on a cot with a sleeping bag. Um, you know, military bunk style, you know, 30 cots in a room. And that, 
on day one, we always play U2's uh, It's a Beautiful Day to wake up all the volunteers, you know, a little spoiler <laughs> alert for anyone who's, uh, <laughs> who's coming on a future trip. And uh, that's at the crack of dawn. It's right when the roosters start crowing. So um, That is we a good up. song to get everyone going. Definitely. <laughs> that is a bloody good choice of song. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And... Um, you know, we have breakfast. We do every morning. We have uh, meditations and reflections. Um, they're planned in advance, and we ask some of the volunteers to help us lead uh, these reflections. After breakfast, we get to work right at 8 a.m. And on day one, all the volunteers grab as many pipes as they can. Usually, we pair up in twos, and someone stands in the front and someone in the back, and they'll take as many pipes as they can on a three to ten mile hike depending on the community. And it's through the jungle, it's through the mountains. It starts nice and pretty walking past all the homes and <laughs> and then eventually you got to turn and you turn into the mountain and you start going through the jungle and it's humid and it's summer and uh, it really tests you, you know, mentally. And that's part of what we want the volunteers to understand that this is what it takes to get clean water. You know, this if this community wants clean water, this is where they're going to have to go. And... Um, you know, that's a very special day, you know, arriving at that source. And it, sometimes it's just a trickle of water that you would never expect can provide for an entire community. Um, other times it's a beautiful oasis with, you know, a big, you know, reservoir of water. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't matter what it is. You know, once you're there and, you know, we're not doing this by ourselves. We're paired up with the locals. There's kids dragging pipes next to you, running around you barefoot. 10 times faster than you can do it with boots on. Um, and that's what it's about. It's about arriving at that source and there being 50 to 100 people there with you looking at the beginning of it all. Um, and that's how we have that first day. You know, once we, everyone's carrying pipe because we got to bring the water down, right? So our system is, starts at the source. We build a dam. Our staff, our engineers, along with the locals, before the volunteers even arrive, a mm -hmm. dam gets built and the water gets piped down through that dam into a reservoir tank, which does get built while the volunteers are, are there. And that tank is located somewhere in between the homes and the source. Mm -hmm. So at that tank is where the water gets treatment if necessary. And then again, gravity is, is our friend here. From there, we connect pipes from the tank to the community run all the main lines throughout the community and connect every house to a faucet. Um, so in the span of eight days, a lot gets done. Um, the reality is, is that it's a longer process, like we talked about in the prior mm. questions. Mm. Um, but a lot of 80% of the labor gets done in an eight day span, which is, wow. you know, mind blowing because <laughs> these people have gone centuries in some cases, you know, there's lots of generations that have lived in these communities without clean water. And the solution's right there. There's, there is a solution, and it's very relatively simple and uh, cost-effective. Um, but, you know, there has to be some sort of organization um, to, to be able to, to facilitate that. If you've grown up in a rural community your whole life, you maybe didn't finish your education or your studies, you know, I don't think the thought pro can creep into your mind of, hey, I'm going to solve this water crisis for my community. You know, there's just... If you're living on a dollar a day, two dollars a day, five dollars a day, you can never fathom that you can build a, a water system. Yeah. Um, but that's why it's so special. You know, when 
when the water does arrive, uh, because there are a lot of non-believers within the community. Mm. Um, there's always strong leadership, you know, and, and there's, we're able to locate very good leaders in these communities, but not, not everyone believes it. You know, they've been promised water by their governments, by maybe other organizations, by whoever it may be. And why should they think that this time's going to be any different? And, um, that's why it's really special when you see that water shoot out for the first time when we test the system, uh, usually towards the end of the trip. Um, everyone runs under that pipe. You know, they just can't believe it. They're in shock. There's tears. Uh, the kids are playing. They don't know. They just like playing in water. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but their parents and their grandparents are looking at those kids saying, you will never have to go through what I went through yeah. as a kid. And you have a chance to go on to college and to go get an education and to go become whatever you want to be. Um, whereas they didn't. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a great progression throughout the trip early in the trip. You know, the kids are a little nervous. The community members are a little nervous, but then they start, you know, playing sports together during lunch break. And we do house visits at night and we work side by side and, and you start building those friendships. And, you know, by day three, day four, you know, our compound where we're staying is surrounded by kids wanting to hang out with the volunteers and the volunteers wanting to go hang out with the kids and um, just really special bonds that get built really quickly um, because they have to in order to, to complete this project. Um, but yeah, the volunteer experience is key. I don't want to give away too much. Um, there's meetings about first impressions, last impressions. We, we have a day specific for women. We have a women's day where we empower the women within the community. Um, usually, um, you know, we have someone on our staff in the Dominican Republic that that's what she does, you know, community uh, building. And then we have a day dedicated to the kids where you even see some of the adults, you know, coloring in a coloring book because they never had that chance to be a kid and do certain things like that or, you know, amazed by the magician that we bring and, and put on a show. Um, and then they just laugh at us as well when we dress up in, you know, an inflatable bull costume and an inflatable shark costume and, you know, start dancing to baby shark in the front of, front of the school. So uh, there's, there's a, a lot of special things. Every community is very different um, and every volunteer is very different. And, you know, sometimes and we also understand that we can't expect these volunteers to return home and, you know, for them to just become these, uh, you know, these social entrepreneurs or, or start a nonprofit. We're just planting seeds. You know, we just want to plant the seeds and, and hope that they continue to water them and and uh, blossom into whatever they want to become. This is such an incredible project, like just like even the whole experience of being with different communities by itself without even building the water system is incredible i think you know even that alone is such a huge travel experience especially for young adults and then also to do something that's so valuable and must be so greatly appreciated by the people who live there you know it must be pretty tense on that last day when the water arrives and everyone's you know finally they believe it there's relief there's gratitude and then also a sense of pride in doing that for them and helping them and doing it together and it not being like we're going to come here and save you but like no we'll do it together and we'll build together and make friends and relationships it just sounds incredible like wow <laughs> yeah yeah and it's why we keep coming back for more you know we are addicted to this you know it's it's uh it's neat again i'm blessed to have found my purpose at a young age 
Um, I never, I was a B student, B and C student my entire life, 3.0 GPA in college. Um, you know, I'm a finance major, international business, never thought I'd be in the nonprofit sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was the path that, you know, uh, was placed in front of me. And, and that's what I was meant to be doing. And um, I'm so grateful for it. You know, our, the relationships and, you know, people who I consider family now in the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, more than half of our staff comes from communities that have benefited from water projects. Um, so these are people who lived the experience. They didn't have clean water. Now they have clean water. And they said, hey, I want to go help other people have this. You know, you've changed our lives. How can I help other people change their lives? And they don't do it as, asking for a job or asking for money. Mm-hmm. We have brigades of workers coming in from neighboring communities on almost every trip just because oh, wow. of gratitude. Yeah. You know, um, and then we obviously as, as a growing organization, we're on the lookout for people who can help us um, do more and we give them a test shot and, and then we uh, end up offering them a position. But, you know, we have 33 employees in the Dominican Republic now and mm. the fact that they understand what it's like to live without clean water mm. um, helps helps the entire team come together and, you know, they understand the impact. You know, they, they have the passion. They're not forcing this. They're not working a job because they have to. They're doing yeah. it because they believe in it. And... Um, it's been amazing to watch them even grow, you know, because since they haven't been educated, you know, past high school, maybe, um, you know, they, they have they had a learning curve, right? To work in an organization that works with the U.S. volunteers with liability and with all the jargon, the red tape <laughs> that surrounds us. Um, it's been great to watch them become leaders, you know, and then bring in this, you know, we have this wave of young workers now coming in, you know, 20 something year olds that are being led by our original four employees. Um, and it's just, you know, I, my, the hairs on my arm stand up. I get goosebumps because, you know, I, I understand how these people's lives have changed. And to see them in those leadership roles and really taking command, um, you know, it's just extremely, extremely special. I remember last time you told us about a girl that you pretty much saw growing up every year. And I was kind of, you know, you must form relationships with these people that you see every time and I would love for you to tell that story if you know who I'm talking about <laughs> definitely um you know the, the girl you're talking about her name is Violeni Estevez and um she's someone who I was blessed to meet uh, at it it was in 2012 it was our third year and um I had just graduated from the university in December mm-hmm. And then I moved to the Dominican Republic in January. So I didn't have a job. I said, I really want to dive into this work that I'm doing and just kind of see what's next before I make any professional uh, professional life decisions. Yeah. So I, I commit to eight months in the Dominican Republic from January to August, um, where I was interning with another nonprofit organization called the Institute for Latin American Concern. Um, during that time, I was basically a, a liaison between U.S. volunteer groups and rural communities. So there was there's high schools and universities that send students down, whether it be for an agriculture program or for a health program. Um, a lot of different missions, you know, um, would come through the the ILAC Center. And at the end of that internship uh, was the third blue trip. 
you know, it was our third summer. Year one, we had 10 volunteers. Our first project was not a water project. We were working on repairing a school. Our second year, 2011, uh, was our first water project. We were about 20 volunteers. Um, wow. And then the third year, uh, we had about 38 people apply, and we ended up taking around 30, 20 some, you know, high 20s. Mm-hmm. And we were going to work on a water project in the community of Carrasco. Uh, Carrasco is in the province of Rio San Juan, in between Rio San Juan and Nagua. It's a very uh, flat area. Um, it's in the kind of on the close to the peninsula on the northwest, uh, I'm sorry, on the northeast side of the island. Mm-hmm. And they mainly produce rice. You know, that's kind of like the main crop that you see as you're driving into the community. But what was unique about this town was that it was flat. It was usually we work in the mountains and this town was in, kind of in the valley. Um, so what? why do I say that? I say that because the source was the farthest source we've ever had to tap into. Mm-hmm. In order to get gravity, you have to go up into the mountains. Yeah. Um, so it was just such a complex project. You know, it was the poorest community we've ever worked in. Um, at the time, no one had cement floors. Uh, there was maybe... Out of the 35 families that lived there, maybe one had some level of concrete in their walls. Most of the homes were built, you know, with wood and banana leaves. Um, It was definitely the poorest community I had ever been in. And, um, you know, it was the hardest work I had ever done. So it was this combination of you're in this area of the country where it's 100 degrees. It's August. You're hiking through the jungle. Not a lot of shade coverage, really, uh, prior to getting into the mountains. And then you had just this humble community, 35 families who somehow found Blue Missions and reached out to us. And there was a group of kids that we called the Carrasco kids. Um, it was probably like six or seven kids who were, they were like our shadows the entire time. <laughs> Anywhere we would go, they would go. Anything we would do, they would do. Um, kids whether are it so was, curious, aren't they? <laughs> they're curious and imagine, imagine being a, a six-year-old, <laughs> six to ten-year-old and this group of 30 uh, Americans, you know, yeah. people f- that you've never seen before show up to your town. It's like the circus is coming into town. Yeah. <laughs> it really must be like that. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden we're staying in the churches and, you know, we're doing all the things that we typically do on a trip, you know, interacting with the community. And, you know, I just built, I built a really special bond with a young girl named Violeni. And her dad was the leader of the project. He was uh, the president of the water committee uh, when we established it. And on the last day of our trip, you know, obviously we the water arrived. It was magical, an amazing celebration. One of the few times that the water arrived at nighttime happened around like 9.30 p.m. And that didn't stop anyone from getting under that water. Um, you know, so it was just a, such a special trip. It was also on a personal side. A lot of my close friends that I grew up with that, you know, maybe I wouldn't expect them to do this kind of work or, you know, it wouldn't be a priority for them. Um, they said yes when I asked them to come. So it was really special to share it now with people who, you know, I've done everything with for the past mm-hmm. uh, people that I've known since kindergarten yeah. um, and to be able to see them enjoy my favorite movie and yeah. uh, want to come back and do more. So just all around, that was just a very special trip. And you know, the icing on the cake was um, the day that we left, obviously very emotional. Um, a lot of people sad that we're leaving. We're sad that we're leaving. 
And uh, Violeni stopped me before I got on the bus and she said, thank you. She said, thank you for giving me the opportunity to pursue my dream of becoming a lawyer. Um, and obviously she said this in Spanish. Um, I'll say it in English just for, your, for the purpose of your audience. Um, but it was the first time that it kind of all clicked, right, for me. Um, I still, even at that point, didn't expect to be working for Blue Missions full time. You know, I was following in the footsteps of my mentor. I have a finance degree. I'm going to go get a job in finance or I'm going to start my own business. And then I'm always going to do this with my friends and family every year. I'm going to fundraise and we're going to go down there and we're going to do something every year. But that was the moment where I said, this, that can't be it. That's not enough. Um, and it impacted me so much that, you know, I said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to dedicate a year to Blue Missions pro bono. I'm going to ask my parents if I can move back in with them and, um, you know, go after this. And um, I backed out of a job that I had accepted. Um, so it was, you know, she changed my life. You know, with those simple words, and um, we've we've been able to maintain uh, a relationship since then. Um, I can say proudly that you know, uh, a year and a half ago, she received a a full ride scholarship to pursue her dream of becoming a lawyer, and she's in law school right now. Um, you know, pursuing that dream. So through COVID, through everything, you know, she's going after that dream, and um, I also had the you know another great blessing to, to be able to participate with her on a trip her and her best friend who also was from that town reached out to me in 2019 and said hey what do you think about us joining you on a trip with volunteers uh to another town and help them and of course you know i almost feel like a proud dad um, <laughs> um you know i made sure i had to get my, myself on that trip at least for a few days and um, you know, just uh, humbling, humbling to see it all full circle. And, you know, to me, that moment in 2012, when she said those words, um, it was like, I've seen this in movies and documentaries, and, you know, it doesn't feel real. Mm. Um, but it happened. You know, it's as simple as that. It's something that you think is scripted. And, yeah. and it happened to me. And it just totally, totally changed my perspective on what my career was going to be. And, um, you know, kind of got the ball rolling to, to think big, to think bigger. And, uh, yeah, she's a, she's a very special person. And um, I'm glad that we crossed paths. And she's now in law school. That's incredible. Yes. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, and she was 10 years old at the time. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> that, can't, that must, yeah, that must, like, your heart must just explode with just happiness and, I don't know, like my heart is exploding for you. So I can't imagine what your heart feels like to have that whole experience going from, you know, helping this girl who would have been spending her time collecting water with her mom, I guess, to now having a degree and a future and something that she wants to do. And she's not feeling trapped because she can get the education that she needed and she wanted. And yeah. wow. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, it's totally special. And you know, it's, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story, um, you know, and she's still writing that story as well. Mm. Um, at the same time, it reminds you of how important and how dire uh, the need is because yeah. you also think about all the people that you can't help yeah. and all the communities that you have to turn down and that are dealing and that, that have dreams and they have aspirations. And 
unfortunately, they it's a little harder for them to pursue those dreams and aspirations. And it definitely motivates us to keep working. Uh, this is a success story. It's a happy ending. But it's not always that way, you know. And, and for us, it's – and even if you do get clean water and your life does change somewhat, um, the stories don't always end so nicely. You know, there's other obstacles and other challenges that they continue to face. Um, but what we want to do is give them the opportunity, you know, eliminate that need that they have, that life's most basic need, give them that foundation. And then now we're on a little bit more of a fair playing field where they can pursue their dream. And um, we're all here for only a certain amount of time, right? You know, we're a blip on the map if you think about the earth yeah. and how long it's been around, you know, what's, I can't imagine why anyone would spend their life not doing what they love. Mm. So giving people that opportunity is what it's all about for us. And do you mostly accept teenagers? Do you take adults as well? Or is it mostly young adults, like teenagers that? At first it was mainly teenagers and college students. You know, that was our demographic. That was our network. Um, you know, our team, is comprised of Leslie Ramos, who's our creative director, who has a similar story as myself. She participated on Life Omissions. Um, she's 26. Uh, Richard Sixto is my best friend since first grade. Uh, we're the wow. same age. We're 30 years old. Um, I convinced him to quit his job up in New York and move down to Miami uh, for a lot less pay. <laughs> and um, this was back in 2014. And... Um, you know, it was just, uh, it's, it's been a blessing. You know, Nicole Aguirre, our program director, is, you know, 28 years old. We all grew up doing this together, you know, as teenagers. And we were outraged, you know. We, we knew something was wrong and something had to be done. And um, we got to build it together, you know. So that, that's definitely a special part of this as well. Um, and towards the end of this call, you know, I'd also want to talk about how full circle. I don't know if we discussed this on the, the last time we spoke, but um, my dad, who had been in corporate America for, for 30 years, um, last year, just before the pandemic began in January, he quit his job of corporate America and um, came to work for Blue Missions. Wow. And um, yeah, it was, for me, it's full circle, right? He forced me to go at 16 and <laughs> You know, um, I think I'm a little wiser now at 30 <laughs> than I was at 16. Um, and I've grown into that kind of role of helping connect people to purpose and living the life that you were meant to live. Um, and I knew that this was for him. You know, I knew this was his space and where he could thrive and where he could be passionate about something every single day. And he's absolutely crushed it. You know, he's actually now our CEO um, at Blue Mission. So um, we're really excited about the direction of where Blue's going. Um, uh, to answer your question that I'm sorry, I didn't, I never answered it. <laughs> we also have a, a adult trips, right? And that's been a big focus of his, uh, getting, um, you know, adults to participate on this, getting family trips going on, um, getting religious groups, um, of all sorts to, to kind of channel that, um, to put their faith into action and, and to be able to, to give back in a unique way. Um, so anyone and everyone can serve. You know, we've I've been on a trip with a 70-year-old, uh, the grandma of, of one of my uh, childhood friends. Whoa. And she would work a little bit, you know. She would come out in the afternoon when everyone was feeling down and tired. She'd come out with a big pot of coffee, Cuban oh. coffee. I know you guys know about the Cuban coffee yeah. in oh, Miami. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, everyone has a role, right? 
Um, there's some people that interact with the kids more. There's some people that, you know, just are workhorses and they're swinging that pick eight hours a day nonstop. It doesn't, you know, everyone has a role. You do what you feel called to do. And yeah. we kind of give everyone a chance in the first few days of the trip to try out different roles and jobs. Um, and then ask them, you know, hey, where would you, where do you want to go tomorrow? Do you, you know, where do you enjoy being more? And you kind of fit it in and make sure that you're on target with your schedule. But it's all about putting people where they want to be. Yeah. I really want to acknowledge you and your sister and, and everyone in your team because I've got to say that I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of what I'm going to say. I've been to... I've never been to Dominican Republic, but I think I've been to similar countries in terms of, you know, like, proneness, like, and stuff like that. And, and I've seen similar community. Uh, and you see that it's revolting. You go home, you think, you reflect, you're like, how the fuck is that happening in the world? I've got to do something about it. I've got to donate, send stuff, whatever, whatever. And then two weeks later, you're back in your bubble, you're back on Netflix and you forget about it. I'm guilty of that. I've done that after Indonesia, after Cuba. Like, so I really want to acknowledge you and, and all the guys that are still with you because saying I'm going to do something about it is easy, but actually doing it years over years and, and, and building what you're doing is really amazing and you know, it's easier said than done. So we, uh, when you, I really want to acknowledge you on that because it's, I appreciate it's amazing. It's, I think it's, it's important to say, because I think a lot of people are guilty of that. And like I said, I'm, I'm guilty of that. And I think a lot of people have the intention, but, and then you get caught up in life. I mean, it's not even about being guilty or anything like life happened. We all have shit going on and, and cause it's not easy. Like the logistic of everything is far from easy. Like, you know, you, you want to do something, but when you realize that to actually get a package delivered at the other side of the world or in Cuba or whatever, it's not that easy. So, yeah. um, it's, and that's normal. You know, I'd, I'd say we're all human, you know, I've had highs and lows throughout these 11 years, 12, almost 12 years. Um, this last year was a difficult year, you know, it was, uh, the hardest one for blue missions, definitely. Um, and it's overwhelming sometimes. It's also overwhelming to, to be doing this type of work, to be going somewhere for eight days, to be building relationships and then leaving. Mm. And then you don't know when you're going to see those people again. And then you got to go do it all over again the next week or in three days when the next set of groups arrive. So there's a lot of low points in this type of work. It's not all as fun and dandy as you know it may sound uh, <laughs> when we talk about it. Um, But the why is, has to be strong, you know, yeah. the, if the why is strong and you have the right people around you, when you're down, someone else is going to pick you up. When they're down, someone else is going to be there for you uh, to remind you why it is that we're doing this. And we're all humans. It's normal to, to kind of fall back into our, our habits. Um, yeah. And it's a challenge that we all face, right? It's, it's, it's who, it's the person in the mirror that, you know, we're, We're trying, to, we're trying to be that best version of ourselves, right? And um, as long as we strive for that and, and we continuously um, kind of water those seeds, right? It's like we talked about before. Uh, what we want to do is plant the seeds. It might not make sense for you for another 15 years. Um, if you go on a trip with us when you're in high school, it might click for you at age 35. Mm -hmm. um, or it might click right, right away. Uh, everyone's different, right? So just kind of laying that groundwork um, and... 
it's kind of a big reason why, you know, and, and COVID was a big reason for this, but we really focused on educational outreach uh, this past year. Um, and we developed a program called uh, Cause Class. Um, it was born from a program that we have called REACH, which is Reflection, Education, and Action to Connect Humanity. And basically what we were doing is we were opening up our office and inviting high school students to come in once a month. And we would bring in um, speakers to come talk about specifically the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Um, Each month was a different goal. Uh And we would find someone in our local community taking on these global issues at the local level um, to try to make it more real, you know, more tangible. Um, And that, that was something that... We had a passion for it. We wanted to do it. We never had funding for it. Um, so we kept it kind of this small once a month gathering um, and linked it up with service, right? So whoever the speaker was, whether it was Debris Free Ocean talking about climate change, um, and then they go out and, and you know, clean the beaches um, the following Saturday with that organization or whether it was another organization, you know, it was just about kind of, again, for us, it was clean water. For someone else, it might be something else. We want to give them the the buffet of yeah. of uh of different causes that they can get behind um and that turned into cause class um which is an educational course uh an educational program that we developed uh where we are creating courses specific to the un development goals um but we're not doing it you know in a traditional kind of format um it was scripted it w- it's fun it's engaging it's kind of like bill nye the science guy um you know or the magic school bus Mm-hmm. Kind of trying to try to make it in a way where kids would be attracted to it. And our main goal with this program is to get it into our school systems, is to make it a part of the curriculum that our youth are learning about um, so that when they turn 16 and they go on a on a mission trip for the first time or they go abroad for the first time, that they say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I know about this issue. And I've already mm-hmm. done this, this and this or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want other people to have that shock and awe moment uh, in the campo. I think this is something that uh, we think as an organization that that our youth need to be taught about these issues. You know, why aren't we spending more time discussing these things? And that's a big focus for us right now. You know, really working with our politicians and and uh, government officials to to find a way to sneak this into the curriculum. Um, yeah. You know, we we're definitely got a, our hands full with this one. Um, but we're committed to it and we believe in it. Um, so I'm sure over the next couple of years, um, you know, we'll be launching more and more courses and hopefully getting them as uh, mandated courses for the the public school system here in the state. Yeah, that'll be great. awesome. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit um, the way you operate is really transparent, which I think is really important at an NGO uh, and and I mean, it's, when I say transparent, it's on your website. Like, it's really easy to check it out. And you, on your website, you explain how you deal with the projects versus operations, that you have two bank accounts, etc. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I think that's really interesting. Yeah, so after that 2012 trip, you know, and even probably before that, you know, we, when we created Blue Missions, we wanted to change the way people saw charity. You know, again, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, since I was a kid, I, w- I made a PowerPoint presentation at 11 years old to convince my parents to lend me uh, $1,500 to buy DJ equipment. Uh, <laughs> I went on to DJ for 12 years of my life. 
um, until until I graduated from college. Um, and, and that's just one of many. You know, I got in trouble for selling baseball cards in second grade that I had got at a garage sale for a box for like a dollar. And I was selling these these uh, <laughs> cards for 10 cents each. Um, so it's in me. You know, I like to create. I like, you know, like business is that language where I'm able to create. Right. And all of these, you know, in my research, everything with nonprofits was negative. It's, you know, it's where's the money going? Can I trust where it's going? Um, oh, you hear about a corruption scandal or, you know, high compensation for, for certain people in organizations. And we mm-hmm. said, you know, we, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Um, one, we're going to be 100% transparent. We're going to show all of our donors exactly where their money goes. We said that and we did. We acted on it. We opened up two bank accounts, one for operations and one for donations. Every single public donation that we collect goes directly to the field directly to the countries we serve, which is mainly Dominican Republic, but also Nicaragua and Colombia as well. Mm-hmm. Um, our operations were going to be funded through a separate uh, channel, you know, and the book and the way we fill up that bucket is through our service trip model. Mm-hmm. We said our volunteers can afford to travel with us. They can pay a fee for this trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fee, we have costs associated with it, but we make a margin on each volunteer that travels with us. And that margin times X number of volunteers is basically our operational budget for the year. Um, we also have specific donors who have been with us for a very long time who say, hey, we believe in what you guys are doing. We want to invest in your operations. And, and those are tank members, what we call tank members. Um, they're companies or individuals who want to see us scale and impact more communities. So they invest in our operations. Um, so that's how the model worked. It worked just fine until we started to grow. Um, once we started to grow, um, you know, in 20, 2013, we went from one project to four projects. And then in 2015, we went up to nine or we went up to six. And then 2015, we went up to nine. Then it was, then it was a big jump. That was to 21. Um, and that was when we hired our first full-time employee in the U.S. That was when myself, Richard, and Nicole um, started working out of the third bedroom of my house, and uh, we went from 9 to 21 at that wow. point. Um, so I'm trying to remember where, well, the the, the model, right? So <laughs> it was, we realized that we couldn't fundraise, you know, these water projects are expensive. So we couldn't raise enough money. We had all these volunteers that wanted to travel with us and be a part of this program, but we couldn't raise enough money to pay for all the materials. Um, so that's when we came up with what we call the community contribution fee. Um, we consulted with organizations like Charity Water in New York. Uh, they're one of the biggest players in clean water. Um, you know, they're, they, they're a fundraising organization and they sponsor um, organizations on the ground to execute projects. Um, but they were kind of changing the way charity um, was going as well. And we went to their offices in New York. They gave us a free consulting uh, session for about two hours with um, their VP of development. And he said, what you guys are best at is facilitating these service experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, This is where you have to be spending 90% of your time Um, and then figure out how to make the numbers work around that. And that's where the community contribution fee was born. And now we ask each of our volunteers to help us fundraise the material costs of the trip. 
So if you're on a sanitation project, that's around $250, $300. If you're on a water project, that's about $500 based on the average number of volunteers per trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and that basically made our model the most sustainable it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, for every additional volunteer that signs up with Blue Missions, more people get clean water. Mm-hmm. Um, it's as simple as that. you know. So we no longer have to worry about, are we going to have a deficit this year on our fundraising um oh it's a tough year companies had to cut back on giving um most organizations will have to reduce staff or cut programs um you know our all of our growth is tied directly to that volunteer number so mm-hmm. we can focus on what our mission is um 100% and and really grow from there so that really changed everything for us it took us to another level as an organization and um we've inspired a lot of organizations to to take similar models uh, and approaches, you know, we wanted to bet on ourselves. We, who better than to bet on ourselves? And um, thankfully that's the model and, and it's working. That's amazing. I, yeah, I, I love the, the transparency and everything is really explained like that. Cause as you said at the beginning, charity and, and nonprofit have a bad reputation um, because of many scandals in the past uh, so the fact that you're doing it another way that is also sustainable uh, and that works for you to expand and like you say so win-win-win for everyone the way it works um, and, and I think also it's really cool to uh, teach and make the, the volunteers that raise money you also make them create a sense of accountability and you know it's making them more involved so I think it's really cool as well for them it's a great experience uh, for them Yeah, I, I agree 100%. You know, that was one of the, you know, surprise benefits, you know, mm-hmm. something that maybe we we knew it, that this was part of it, but we didn't understand the impact of it. And for a volunteer to be able to give up their time, their talent and their treasure, you know, to be able to learn what it's like to fundraise as a mm-hmm. teenager um, and see how difficult that is. And not only how difficult that is, but how much you can actually accomplish if you actually set your mind to it because it's it's not easy but it's also not the hardest thing it's a great um, skill you know you learn what social capital is you learn that you have a network of people around you because you were born into this world that can help and can support so yeah. i think it's great whether you're going to be in the nonprofit sector or whether you need to raise money for your next venture um, asking people for money is not easy and um, it's a good learning experience Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a great skill to have right now, I think. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned that, so with the donation, uh, you work on projects in also like Nicaragua and I forgot the other Co- one. Colombia. Colombia. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we started in the Dominican Republic because that's where our contacts were. Um, and we always said we wanted to kind of perfect our model in the Dominican Republic before we even considered uh, going to other countries. Right. Um, every country is different. You know, from a engineering standpoint, it's different. From a cultural standpoint, which I'd say is the, the biggest one, mm-hmm. it's different. And what works in the Dominican Republic won't necessarily work in Colombia or in Nicaragua. Um, so we decided that we wanted to partner up with organizations who are already established in these countries doing similar work and see how we can support them Um, you know, financially and, you know, through our resources. So in Nicaragua, we partnered up with a, with an amazing organization called Agua Para La Vida. They've been doing uh, rural 
aqueduct systems in Nicaragua for over 30 years mm-hmm. and um, just an inspiring organization working in some of the most remote places within the country. Uh, lots of challenges, obviously, with the government that's in power there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were, you know, they were instrumental for us. You know, they were key. We've taken a lot of things that they do as an organization um, in Nicaragua and implemented them in the Dominican Republic. Mm. We've had their staff fly to the Dominican Republic and learn from us. We've flown our staff to Nicaragua and learn from them. Mm. And each of the past three years, we've been able to sponsor projects financially um, because the community contribution fee, you know, now that our volunteers are covering all of our material costs in the Dominican Republic, now when we have a gala or we have you know, donations made online on our website uh, or from our monthly giving program. Mm -hmm. Um, Now we can sponsor projects in other countries. Mm -hmm. So um, we're lucky to have them as partners in Nicaragua. In Colombia, uh, we work with an organization called Nueva Life. They're also Miami-based. And we've done one project in Colombia, and that was our 100th project as an organization. Um, Before this summer, we were at around 132 completed projects total. And after this summer, it'll be around 150, I want to say 54. But uh, I'll come back after the summer and and do another report. Wow. (laughs) But yeah, those partnerships were key. In Colombia, we built um, a different type of aqueduct. It was actually a well... um, Hmm that works with a windmill so what we did was we constructed a tank that can hold more water and then from that tank we took pipe to each of the homes in the community um but yeah you're talking extreme poverty in in la guajira it's an indigenous tribe um you know the the yu people um they are amazing and um you know they're, they're dealing with a lot of issues so being able to go out there small group we all slept in hammocks outside in the dust, um, you know, there was contraband coming from Venezuela in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, it was definitely wow. not a place, not a place where we're sending volunteers, but yeah. um, we were able to do that trip with just our staff and um, some of the locals as well. That must have been an experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if you want to learn more about that one, check out our YouTube channel, uh, Blue Missions. We have a video specifically about that trip and. Um, that video has the power to change your life. Um, wow. So I definitely recommend checking out that video. It will open your eyes to the reality. Okay, we'll leave that linked in the show notes for yeah. sure. <laughs> on, on on a more like personal level, uh, as a as a human being, more than as an entrepreneur, uh, it must it must feel in a, in in one side. I really rewarding because i mean you're helping people and it's good to acknowledge that and to you know give you a tap on the back and and say that i'm doing something good it's, it's good to be aware of it i think there's no you know uh, that's, that's something good also it's really humbling i feel uh this job that you're doing helping people and empowering them um how did did it impact your your, your personal life all those connections seeing the reality of the world outside of the bubble like you said you must have grown a lot because you started so young as well. Like you, you, you must have grown like so quickly in your twenties, like thanks to these experiences. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely shaped my life. Um, 
they say you still continue to, you know, kind of form your thoughts and, and the way your brain thinks and your beliefs until about age 30. You know, some people say 35. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of sacrifices that were made at an age where you could have been out on South Beach. You know, you guys are familiar with South Beach and, yeah. and all the temptations there are in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was definitely some sacrifices made. At the same time, it was so much fun. You know, it was just that's why that's how I originally fell in love with it. I couldn't believe that, you know, I was going on this thing that I thought was going to be miserable. And <laughs> it, the founder, you know, he's he might be a great candidate to, to come on a future podcast. <laughs> Um, but he was big on making sure everyone had an enjoyable experience. You know, mm-hmm. what those two things, they can live together. You can yeah. serve and you can have fun at the same time. So I, I think that helped along the way. Um, but yeah, you know, living in the Dominican Republic for eight months, it formed me, you know, meeting people from all over the the world, really, you know, but from different parts of the U.S. that would come down and share their stories about why they're there and uh, mm-hmm. what they're doing and and. and you're just able to kind of like gather all that and store that and it becomes who you are, right? Or part of who you are. Yeah. And I'm just grateful, you know, that it turned out this way. Um, and yeah, I, just, I, I hope I'm still growing. I hope I can still keep learning. And <laughs> I think at this point in my life, you know, I, I think I'm kind of realizing that, you know, that you have to focus on the things that you love, that you have to uh, strive to be yourself, you know, to be able to, be yourself no matter what situation you're in um but there's still growth you know even despite you know being over uh, I, my birthday is next week so i'll be over 30 uh next week and uh welcome to the club <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 it's hitting me a little bit <laughs> it's fine it's, not it's, that ju- bad. it's, it's not just that the bad. beginning it's just yeah. the beginning you got time <laughs> um no but well, speaking about the future, now that you're getting old and now you don't getting know what old. to do in your life because you're... <laughs> Sorry about that, you're getting old. Jeremy puts it very bluntly. It's okay, I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> and because you don't have enough on your plate, you said, oh, I know, I'm going to start a new business. <laughs> That's right. Beautiful segue there, Jeremy. Beautiful segue. Beautifully done. Well done. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I've i seen like a few months ago when I was reaching out to record again uh, that you were on a road trip around the States and I saw this new Instagram page called Romy Vance and I was like, is he starting a new business? Yeah, he is. Uh, so <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about this new venture? Definitely. You know, um, for me, growing up in Miami, um, we have beaches, but we don't have mountains, right? And um, so you're not going to really go on hikes or, you know, there's not a lot of that. Um, Mm -hmm. So going to the DR really opened my eyes to like mountains and how beautiful they are. Um, Traveling throughout the U.S., you know, I, I really am able to be, you know, the best version of myself when I'm surrounded in, by nature and by beauty and being able to reflect and be present and, you know, get rid of the phones and, you know, really just be present with whoever's around you and, and with whatever's around you. And, you know, it's something that I'm passionate about, the outdoors, being outside. Um, you know, I've obviously have some experience 
facilitating experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I stumbled upon van life and what the culture around van life was. And, you know, basically people who their home can travel with them, people who want to see the world and um, wake up in different places each and every day. And I think there's a lot of value to that. I think there's a lot of value to getting outside and and bringing that disconnection. Um, so that inspired me to create a business. You know, I kind of started in the pandemic. Um, I was going to take a step back because of the, you know, our. you guys heard what our model is, right? So mm-hmm. when service trips get canceled last, last year because of the pandemic, we had over 800 volunteers signed up to travel with us last summer. Um, that's over... That's over a million dollars in refunds um, for service trips. Um, So our financial situation was dire, you know, Mm. and and there was a lot of uncertainty. You know, I I wouldn't say that we ever felt that, you know, we were at risk of closing Blue Missions. Mm -hmm. But we definitely had to start thinking about how are we going to preserve Blue Missions? Mm -hmm. Um, And one of those preservation thoughts were, first of all, everyone took a pay cut. um, And then... You know, I kind of voluntarily said, hey, you know what? I think it'd be good for me to kind of take some time away, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of a sabbatical, Mm -hmm. especially after the pandemic, Um, you know, and once we were clear on the other side and I knew the organization was in good hands, um, we promoted my dad to CEO. Um, So uh, I guess technically I'm still his boss, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you know, he's. I can't think of a better person to run the organization. Um, yeah. So, you, you know, you I felt like the organization. Like, you can live in peace. Yeah, I could live in peace. I could live it in good hands. And yeah. and I'm not gone. You know, I, I just yeah. shift to a new role and I focus on the financial side of the business and, you know, take away some of the other responsibilities that I had. And it freed up some time for myself to pursue mm-hmm. some, you know, I got that itch again. I got that entrepreneurial itch. And, <laughs> you know, I probably should have just gone to a garage sale and bought some baseball cards because. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hear that's doing well right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Romy Vans is a labor of love. We spent the past uh, six months building out our prototype. Um, and now we are raising money uh, to take Romy Vans to more places. We want to build out a fleet here in Miami. Um, we want to, you know, what we're doing is we're building a business that is also giving back. You know, what we want is to educate our consumers about climate change and about what's going on so we're actually going to be a b corp um, we're joining one percent for the planet um, you know we want to partner with organizations that are tackling climate change and obviously vehicles there's carbon emissions yeah. um, our goal is to 100 percent offset our carbon um, you know i don't think we'll be able to do that from day one but that's what we're striving for mm-hmm. and to bring that awareness right and to facilitate these experiences that people will never forget you know, help them kind of be kind of be the concierge to show people how beautiful Florida is and all the gems that there are that, you know, it's not all about the clubs on South Beach. Yeah. You know, there is more to Florida than, than that. And um, we're excited to educate, you know, the people in, in our area about all these things that exist and really just help people have a good time, um, you know, be an example of a business that is thinking uh, about social responsibility Um you know, so this is just a passion project. Uh, it has a lot of potential. Um, it's growing. You know, during the pandemic, the the RV industry grew. Yeah. You know, at an astronomical rate. Um, and you know, something. This is something that started in Europe. Um, it was popular in Europe and Australia. Worked its way to the West Coast of the U.S. 
and then now it's kind of trickling around everywhere. Um, so I think it's a great opportunity. I think it's something fun, something that I'm engaged with, you know, so uh, looking forward to see where it goes and uh, hopefully take some more road trips at some point. The van is beautiful as well. Like we've seen, like we looked into van life for a little while. We were like, do we do that or do we not? Decided maybe that's something for later on in life. But we looked at lots of different vans and different options. And the way that you've done it is so beautiful. Like it looks. I appreciate that. Such yeah, high I mean, quality. Like you can do it on the cheap and it can look cheap. But it, this looks so nicely made and so well crafted and thought out with like the table that comes out and the butcher block and it just looks great so yeah we're talking about queen size bed bathroom with shower ac like it's not <laughs> yeah it's not camping it's not camping it's... yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah well you guys know south florida you yes. know you need a little glitz and glam yeah and everything that we do here so uh, that was actually um, on purpose you know we we've seen a lot of be- you know great vans you know carefully designed and well thought out designs and but who's filling in who's filling in the 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 chic vans you know or the boho chic vans you know we wanted to make sure this was a stylish van um, but also have all of those amenities you know we want this to be your hotel on wheels if you're coming uh, to miami to florida whether you're going to disney world or whether you're going to the springs in central florida or to the florida keys um, you know, we want this van to be able to not only be comfortable for you, but to also um, feel like home, not yeah. like a van. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's I think we kind of hit on the design. Uh, we've gotten some great feedback on it. Um, check out Romy Vans on Instagram. Uh, we'll be launching our website later this month. And uh, the prototype is going to be up for rent starting on September 1st. So mm. coming soon. And you've been experiencing the life in his prototype for the last few weeks right how was the road trip oh the road trip was incredible uh my girlfriend and i we took off on may 15th um and we went for about 45 days somewhere between 45 and 50 days uh we started here in miami worked our way west you know i think we visited about 15 states about 12 national parks um a lot of beautiful sites, you know, and just the diversity that there is um, across the U.S. It's just yeah. eye-opening, you know, it's just breathtaking. Uh, went all the way to Big Bend in, in Texas, uh, made it all the way up to the Grand Tetons in Wyoming. Wow. Um, you know, so we covered a lot of ground in the Pacific Coast Highway. Um, just great, great reset, uh, way to charge your battery. Um, you know, it's been a stressful year for a lot of people. And um, it was just what we needed at just the right time. And now we're back home and ready to take this to the moon. Vans is actually a great way to travel as well with everything going on and with everybody being scared of hotels and restaurants. And <laughs> like, I know certain people are just, yeah, it's fine, it's over. And other people are still worried. It's a great way to travel, but not have to stay in hotels where maybe somebody slept the night before and it's not been properly cleaned. Do you have to go to restaurants? You can kind of cook for yourself. So it's a great timing as well in terms of people wanting to travel safely if they need to be more careful about their health i guess so yeah definitely definitely uh you know we're hoping that translates that that sticks around even post pandemic um you know and just i think people are starting to realize that you don't need so much to be happy right and that's part of it um kind of that minimalistic kind of mindset you know use what you need um you know we like to say that the van has um, everything that you need, nothing that you don't. So, 
Um, so it's as simple as that. Mm. Was that was it the first time that you were living in a van? Yeah, it was the yeah. first time that I was living in a van. Um, I could do it full time. I know I can. Um, we're actually living in the van right now. We're in between uh we're in between uh apartments. So we actually got back on July fourth, right on July fourth, and um had to move. You know, I, I own a property that has an, a studio uh on the site and we had all of our stuff in there and I had a tenant moving in on the seventh. So got back to Miami, moved out. We're staying uh in the van right now and then uh, hopefully we get a place within the next month so uh we can start renting the van. Yeah. That's brilliant. Any fun or not so fun on the moment, but now you're laughing at it, experience on the van during this trip? Like, a, I don't know, a good one. <laughs> Did you see any bears? Yes, we saw a bear. We saw oh. a bear. I got to think about the van question, but uh, <laughs> in the Tetons, we did see a bear hiking around Phelps Lake. Wow. Um, it was my first bear, so <laughs> I was kind of excited about it. But yeah. <laughs> Wow. But yeah, a lot of we saw some moose, elk, um, lots of animals. Um, in terms of funny moments in the van, I feel like there was a lot. Um, <laughs> but um, I think this isn't funny moment, but just the amount of people that you meet that are in van life and all the different reasons that people do van life. I think that was very interesting. Um, you know, the ability to be a freelancer and. Yeah. to van life i think it's a game changer yeah. you know how, how so many people are working remote now yeah um funny moments in the van i mean they're tight quarters you know so you, you, you must <laughs> have had a moment you, you must have had a moment seeing like fuck this van i want i want to see oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah we had we had a around wyoming we had an electrical failure where the ac kind of stopped working um and we had to go like two or three days without you know having the ac um until we got it fixed but uh yeah there's moments you hit your head on something (laughs) you know or it's it's mosquitoes outside and you really want that coffee in the morning but (laughs) you got to make some decisions um yeah it's van life is uh definitely recommend uh whether it's with Romy vans or not uh try it out It'll teach you a lot about yourself. Mm. Um, it'll show you how strong you are, how many things you can do, and um, it's a freedom that's unparalleled. Mm. Love that. We'll definitely link everything in the show notes. Um, do you have any other questions, Jeremy? Uh, I do have one last question. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we did ask you this question last time, and if we did, I don't remember your answer, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Okay. Um, if you could have a conversation with someone dead or alive famous or no it doesn't matter anyone on earth uh, that you think is the most interesting person in your eyes who would you pick and why the most interesting person in my life or in your, in just your in eyes general? just in general in my yeah. eyes wow Wish I would have gotten some show prep for that one. <laughs> he lo- he loves to drop this on people, and then everyone's stumped for an answer. So, well, I don't remember. If I'll you tell you what. Question last time, <laughs> I've answered this question before, not on your podcast, but uh, 
on our blue trips, we have a game that we play in the mornings. It's kind of like a game show. It's called Saved mm. by the Bell. Do you remember the TV show Saved <laughs> yeah. by the yeah. Bell? Yeah, we screamed. So we played a theme song to that. And um, we have like 60 questions, and it's kind of like a game show. We got to judge, and you got to pick a number, and whatever number you get, that's the question you get. Okay. Uh, and this one's on there. So I've heard this question before. Um, that was me uh, filibustering. Uh, yeah. <laughs> coming up with an answer. <laughs> Man, there's, you know, I'm a, I'm a big sports fan. Um, you know, I, I think uh, there's a lot of options there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of influential people in the history of the world that, you know, you love to speak to. I can give you the Gandhi answer. I can give you a lot of different answers. You know, Martin Luther King, people who, you know, Muhammad Ali, people who made some really difficult decisions in their life for the better of other people. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of different answers here. Um, I'll go with the sports <laughs> answer yeah, uh, since we're in the N- NBA finals. I probably want to meet LeBron James. Um, ah. You know, understand him a little bit better. I know he does a lot of good. Um, you know, he's obviously changed the, the way athletes um, conduct themselves, you know, the amount of power that they have, uh, created this entire economy around himself. Um, so really just kind of, you know, he had a lot of fame at a young age as a teenager. How do you, how you deal with that mm-hmm. um, kind of fame and money? So I'll give you that answer on short notice. I'll think about it when I come back <laughs> on for my third session with you guys. Yeah. Um, I'll have a better answer for you. That's no, a good you, one. I don't think we've had that one before, have we, Jeremy? No, yeah, and it's actually a, a, an interesting one because um, we all know LeBron James, the the basketball guy. But for example, I don't think that many people know that he opened a school yeah. and stuff like that. I don't think a I lot of people know, know like everything he's doing on the side to help the, the the black community and the poor community and and everything. He's actually trying to make some changes uh, using his name and his fame to make a change in the world and help other people and i don't think enough people know that because he's not talking about it that much right now i guess he will post career yeah um Mm. so yeah no i think yeah it it would actually be a a really good conversation i'll I'll listen to that (laughs) for sure (laughs) Awesome. Good answer. Thank you so much again for being on the podcast. We hope it works this time. Fingers All crossed, good. guys. If you're listening to this, it worked. <laughs> but thank you so much, Danny, for being back on again and for sharing your story and just being such an inspiration. Honestly, it's it's been great to have this conversation you're again. You're a beautiful and... soul, Danny. Yeah. And I appreciate we, it. We, we never met in person, but I hope we do. And I really hope we can make it to Dominican Republic with you one day. I really do. And we'll make, no, we'll make it happen. And use the vans. We want to use your vans for van life at some point. Yeah, so. if, if you want to go by in Europe. <laughs> for sure, yeah. for sure. I know we'll, uh, I know we'll cross paths again. And, uh, you know, until then, um, you know, hope you guys uh, stay safe over there. Enjoy your time with your families. And uh, for everyone listening out there, um, if you feel inspired by anything that you've heard today, um, I encourage you to visit our website, bluemissions.org. Uh, we have a program called The Source, and we give some exclusive content to the Source members. Um, it is our monthly giving program. You can really make an impact every month, help people get clean water every month um, at any level, uh, whether it's a dollar or a hundred dollars. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, we we hope you guys can join us there, help us continue this fight against the water crisis. And uh, um, if you're interested in traveling with us, hey, come on board. <laughs> it sounds amazing. It sounds like so much fun. We'll be there for sure at some point. Awesome. 
thank, thank you, you so guys. much again um thank you everyone for listening we'll be back next wednesday with a brand new episode um yeah we hope you enjoyed it bye bye <laughs>